And that song leads us into the uh, scripture that we're looking at once more this morning. We looked at this for the first time last week, and this week it's, it's part two. John chapter 13 and verses 1 to 17. And here we see Jesus, the servant king. John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was being prepared and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For Jesus knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said that not everyone was clean. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place and said, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. This is God's word. It's true and trustworthy. Well, last Sunday, when we had our first sweep through this scripture, we focused particularly on Jesus as the servant king. Well, we're using verse 15 as our kind of grid to help us understand this. I have set you an example, said Jesus, that you should do as I have done for you. And we saw the amazing, stunning act of Jesus, the servant king. Well, this week, we're going to consider ourselves as servants of the servant king. It was, of course, amazing and stunning that Jesus should wash his disciples' feet, because he was their Lord and teacher, and he had all power. He was their master, and he was their ruler. He was the one to whom one day every knee would bow. And now Jesus is bowing his knees before these sinners to wash their feet 
that really is quite remarkable. Jesus humbled himself and did this to show something greater than this act. He did it to show that one day, just as the water washed away the dirt from the disciples' feet, one day on the cross, his blood would wash away the sin from his disciples' guilty souls. So this act which was happening was pointing to something greater than what it was. But also Jesus did this to set an example. So if we look at verses 14 and 15, we read this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He did it with no ego. He did it to teach an example. So let's consider ourselves then following that example. Three things. Action, attitude, and approval. Action, attitude, and approval. Let's look at our action. We'll go forward two more slides, please, and the next one. That's it. So our action. Jesus said, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What's our action in this? Well, it's to follow the example of Jesus. The idea of this word example is to set something before someone's eyes that they cannot possibly fail to miss what is happening. I don't know if you've ever kind of put your teenage children's things that they've left downstairs on the bottom step so that when they go up to their room, what they'll actually do is pick up those things from the bottom step and take them up to their room. It can be all kinds of things, you know, it could be false eyelashes, extensions of nails, and that's just the boys. It, it, it could be homework, it, it could be anything they left down there that really doesn't belong down there. It belongs up in the room. So you just, you know, over the days and the weeks, <laughs> it piles, piles high. And somehow, somehow they just manage to, to step over it. They can't miss it. But, oh no, over it goes. So you, out of the goodness and grace of your heart, decide to set them an example. And you pick it all up and take it up to their room and say, now do as I have done for you. <laughs> and of course, they learn first time. <laughs> and Jesus washes the disciples' feet and they cannot miss it. And Jesus says, now do as I have done for you. <laughs> you see, we disciples are servants who serve. No matter how long we've been Christians, no matter how long we've been coming to church, no matter how old we are, how young we are, no matter our status or our rank in society, no matter, no matter how much money we've got in the bank, we're servants who serve. That is our action. We never outgrow Christian service. We grow into Christian service. And notice who it is that we are to serve in verse 14. Uh, Jesus said there, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. 
We might have expected him to say, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, now you wash my feet. And the disciples would have been really willing to do that. They would have said, me first, I would do that. Of course, we would all want to wash Jesus' feet. But that's not what he says. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, now you wash one another's feet. You are my servant by being each other's servants. In Mark chapter 10, verse 43, Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, not my servant. And that's the lesson, that's the action. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We are to follow him. But it doesn't sit too easily with us. But Lord, I don't get on with her. But Lord, he's got a big head. But Lord, our theological views are different. And of course, I'm right and he's wrong. But Lord, she really annoys me. He really winds me up. I've got to serve him, her. But Lord, he's upset me. He has hurt me. Wash one another's feet. Remember that Jesus Christ washed all the disciples' feet. Simon Peter, who was always doing wrong things. James and John, who were saying wrong things. And Judas Iscariot, who would actually sell Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus washed the feet of people who were totally unlike he was. And we should do that too. Even though it doesn't kind of... So it cuts into our sinful nature. We don't like the idea of doing it. But we never outgrow it. We grow into Christian service. In what ways do we serve? What does the action actually look like? Does it mean literally washing someone's feet? Well, maybe it does. And I know there are churches that practice that. But what it certainly stands for is the spirit and attitude behind washing a disciple's feet. Lowering ourselves, crucifying our ego, humbling ourselves, getting down from our soapbox and stop ranting about other people's wrongs and starting to serve them. Climbing down from our high horse where we feel so superior to the ones on the ground and serving them. What does it look like? In action, looking out for each other, bearing with the failings of the weak, sharing with God's people who are in need, practicing hospitality, using God's grace to serve others in its various ministries, sitting with the lonely, helping someone in trouble or difficulty, assisting someone who's sick or weak, cooking a meal, giving a lift, sending an encouraging text, 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. That's what it looks like in action. We are servants who serve. But what about the attitude, our second point, our attitude? You see, sometimes, as we've mentioned, being a servant really doesn't sit comfortably with us. Why? Because we've got sinful natures. And our natural inclination is that we want to be served. We don't want to serve. 
We want to snap our fingers so that we, people obey our commands. We want, to, we want to boss people around, not wash people's feet. Our sinful nature wants to dominate others. It wants to abuse any power that we might have. It <clears throat> wants to put us on top and people down. Now, this whole serving thing, it actually cuts into our sinful nature. It did to these disciples. See, why did Jesus have to wash their feet? Jesus had to wash their feet because none of the others would do it. See, all the arrangements had been made for this Passover meal. It was in an upper room, and it was a Passover. So that meant certain arrangements had to be made, and they were. Mark chapter 14 would tell you all about that. So the room had been hired, the meat had been cooked, the bread was there, and the foot-washing equipment was on the bottom step or by the side of the door. But each one of the disciples stepped over it. They all ignored that foot Washing equipment, the jug, the bowl, the water, the towel. They ignored the lot. Simon Peter and his brother Andrew ignored it. James and John, sons of Zebedee, ignored it. Philip and Bartholomew, they ignored it. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, they ignored it. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, they ignored it. And Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, not one of them was willing to take up the towel, willing to serve. Now, each of the disciples wanted to be top. They wanted to be master. None of them were willing to humble themselves and be the servant of the others. And, and we're like that as well, deep down in our sinful nature. So it's easier for us to have the, the Caleb spirit and take mountains than the Jesus spirit and be a foot washer. It's easier for us to have the Elijah spirit of calling down fire upon our enemies than washing the feet of those totally unlike us. It's easier for us to have the David spirit of cutting off Goliath's head than washing people's feet. Easier for us to have the Nathan spirit of standing up for the truth and telling people what they've done wrong rather than serving. Yet our calling is to humble ourselves change our attitude, crucify our ego, kill our sinful nature, <clears throat> and serve. How do we get that attitude? Because it doesn't come naturally. I, I know that there's different personality types, and some people are far more compliant, and they're far more willing to help than others. I, I know that by nature. But also know that every person's got a sinful nature that within us, within me, and within you actually says, I don't like this serving thing. I'm tired of it. I want people to serve me. So how do we get this servant attitude? Well, one, look to Jesus Christ. See him as your example. Study his life. Read the Gospels. See him in action. Scroll the Gospels as you would scroll Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, but actually stop at various places and read. Pay more attention to Jesus than to the Daily Mail or the Guardian. Pay more attention to Jesus than to the Spectator or the New Statesman. Read the life of Jesus. Study the Servant King. And somehow by doing that, 
you're changed. It's the first thing. Second thing to do to get this servant nature is to allow God to work in our hearts over time. See, though when we become Christians, our heart of stone is removed from us and a heart of flesh is placed in us instead, yet there are times, lots of times, that actually, even with a heart of flesh, we can be hard-hearted towards God and other people. So we need to continually come before God and ask him to soften our hearts and give us that servant spirit. We need to come before him with an open Bible and an open heart. In the Old Testament, you read about a little boy called Samuel. And Samuel one night was hearing this voice. It was a, 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 a voice that was calling him. And Samuel thought that it was the old priest Eli. But Eli realized it wasn't him because he wasn't doing the talking. It was God who was calling him. So Samuel had to learn to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There's a wonderful old hymn that's based upon that. Oh, give me Samuel's ear, the open ear, O Lord, alive and quick to hear each whisper of thy word, like him to answer at thy call and to obey thee first of all. And that's what we need to do. Lord, as I come to your word, give me Samuel's ear. May I listen to what you are saying as you soften my heart. Do you know, added to that, scriptures as a priority, but added to that, read devotional books. Devotional books. I don't know, but... These days, we seem to be more into reading books about apologetics and ethical matters and social issues than matters of the heart. We read books and we listen to podcasts and we'll attend seminars and conferences on transgender issues, poverty, climate, race, feminism, masculinity, parenting, medical stuff, and how to answer an atheist. And of course, we do need to read up on that, and we do need to know where we stand on that. But the danger with only reading books about these issues of today is that it doesn't touch our heart. It simply goes to our head. So that, why know where I stand on that matter? But what about the people you're reading about? Oh no, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. I've read my book, I've listened to my podcast. I know exactly where I stand, what the truth is. But, but what about those that are affected by what you're against? I'm right, they're wrong. And, and that is the problem with just reading books that address issues. Mix your books up. Mix your podcasts up. Read books, listen to podcasts that affect your heart. You know, your, your hat team, we read a, a, a book uh, together and then we, um, we talk about it at our monthly prayer meeting. The last book we read was about an issue, uh, the issue of justice. Really good book. The next book we're going to read is a book about transgender debate. Uh, I, I, into the seminar on this is really, really helpful. But if that's all we're reading, then all your hat team are doing is simply knowing the issues. So we mix it up. And right in the middle, we read a devotional book. 
a book about the tender heart. But, you know, there, there's something imbalanced about that, isn't there? Follow your hat team. Read books that touch your hearts and not just books about issues. Yes, read books about issues. We must. But read books where God gets into your heart. So, how do we get this servant spirit, this attitude? Look to Jesus. Ask God to work in your heart over time. Thirdly, actually do it. Actually serve. Take up a ministry commitment. The Apostle Peter, who had his feet washed, though he objected at first, but the Apostle Peter actually wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 5, 5. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And was Peter thinking about that example that Jesus set before their very eyes, which they couldn't miss? Was he thinking about that time that Jesus put that towel around his waist? to actually wash his disciples' feet and dry them with that towel. And Peter said, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And now Jesus holds out the towel to me and to you and says, it's your turn. Well, he sets a ladder before us. And instead of saying, see you at the top, he says, see you at the bottom, because we descend into greatness. And that's the radical nature of the kingdom of God. That turns the world upside down, and it's head-turning. The greatest among you is the one that serves. So our action, our attitude, thirdly and finally, is it all worth it? Because it does cut into our sinful nature. It's worth it because of approval, God's approval. We say, well, if I have this servant attitude, won't people take advantage of me? Probably. If I have this servant attitude, will people walk all over me? Maybe. If I have this servant attitude, will people crucify me? Notice what Jesus says in verse 16 and 17. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's not you will be blessed if you know them. It's not you will be blessed if you fill your shelves with theological books. Not you'll be blessed if you listen to hours and hours of Christian podcasts. You will be blessed if you serve. You will be blessed if you do them. Jesus promises real blessing to the servant. What's more, it's worth it because when we serve other people, it's a powerful witness to a power-mad world. The world is full of power-mad people, empire builders and those with a thirst for power and those with a sense of self-importance and egotism, it's everywhere. Uh, and you can see how the godless will push their weight around. A little bit of power goes to someone's head and people bullying, even in very high places. Why? To get their way. People try to get to the top without any regard for the others. Well, imagine them 
seeing a church full of foot washers, seeing a church full of servant-hearted people, people going out of their way to serve those that are not like unto them. That is a world turned upside down. And that would be a really powerful witness to an unbeliever. Third, it's worth it, not just because it brings blessing and because it's a great witness, but it makes for wonderful Christian fellowship. You picture a church where everyone is trying to be the master. A church where all are trying to lord it over others. A church where no one is submitting to anyone else. A church where no one is giving way. That would be a nightmare of a church. There would be disaster and division. Picture the opposite. Picture a church where people are trying with all their hearts to serve other people. Trying to not to please themselves, but to please others. A church where nobody does anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility considers others better than themselves. A church where people are looking out not for their own interests, but for the interests of others. That church would be a foretaste of heaven. It would be 